Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Wow, what a beautiful <laughs> gathering today. So many new faces. Welcome, if you're new, to the Zen Center. And um, that's what happens when you're going to be subjected to uh, a Dharma talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gayla Roshi, for giving me the opportunity to confront my fear of speaking head on once again. <laughs> there we go. Can everyone hear me okay back there? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, this talk will probably be a little bit shorter because I was informed by a, a very wise person yesterday to, uh, to avoid laborious analysis. Uh, <laughs> so after I heard that talk, I marched up to my room and I'm like crossing out things. <laughs> we'll have you out of here pretty soon. <laughs> back in March, back in March, uh, Galen Roshi gave a wonderful talk that uh, in part touched upon the importance of dreams in, um, in Native American cultures. In these native cultures, dreams were and are an essential conduit for telling the future and uh, linking one with the spiritual world and also serving as uh, like a spiritual validation of one's uh, spirit, serving as a validation for one's spiritual condition. These indigenous communities are both individually and collectively informed by the stories of their dreams. And uh, during the q and I remember someone asking something like whether or not uh, there were any parallels with Zen and dreaming. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, okay, I could do a Dharma talk from this. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure I could, I could extrapolate some parallels with Native American uh, dream imagery. Uh, but uh, I'll just go far as to, as to say that, yes, of course, dreams inform our practice and our practice in turn informs our dreams. So here are some definitions of dreaming from some dictionaries. A series of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations occurring involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. A daydream, a reverie, a state of abstraction, a trance, wandering around in a dream, a condition or achievement that is longed for, an aspiration, a dream of own, owning their own business. And this one I like. A wild, fan, a wild fancy or unrealistic hope. <laughs> this last definition reminded me of uh, the theme of radical hope that Galen also discussed during, her, during that same talk. Is this the same radical hope that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dreamt of? I say yes. Radical compassion, radical liberation, transformation, and hope are the dreams of bodhisattvas. Cotton mouth. <laughs> the American Psychological Association's dictionary defines dreams as a physiologically and psychologically conscious state that occurs during sleep and is often characterized by a rich array of endogenous sensory, motor, emotional, and other experiences. <laughs> <laughs> Dreams occur most often, but by no means exclusively during periods of REM sleep. Those that occur during N-REM sleep, I believe that's non-rapid eye movement sleep, are characterized primarily by thoughts and emotions, whereas REM dreams are characterized primarily by visual imagery along with a sense of motion in space and also intense emotion, especially fear, elation, or anger. And all 
and also belief that the dream characters, events, and situations are real. And sudden, this is another good one, sudden discontinuities in character, situations, and plot elements. <laughs> okay. Within Western thought, theories about the nature and meaning of, and function of dreams are diverse. The Greek physician Hippocrates, for example, suggested that dreams provide early evidence of disease. Sigmund Freud viewed dreams as <clears throat> symbolic condensations of conflicting impulses that are rejected from the waking consciousness to avoid emotional distress. Carl Jung proposed a problem-solving function for dreams in which archetypal symbols convey prototypical life conflicts and their possible resolutions. Alfred Alder Adler advanced the view that inferiority complexes, conflicts, are played out in our dreams. The discovery in the early 1950s of REM sleep, as well as the findings in the 60s about NREM sleep, initiated the scientific study of dreaming as a neurocognitive process. So continuing with this conventional Western understanding of dreams, what then does it mean to be awake? And is this being awake the opposite of dreaming, of sleeping, of sleeping? Some dictionary definitions for awake include to cease sleeping, to wake up, to become conscious of or aware of something, fully conscious, alert, aware. The Dictionary of Psychology defines consciousness as one relating to or marked by awareness or consciousness. Also, the classical psycho psychoanalytical theory of Sigmund Freud says the region of the psyche that contains thoughts, feelings, perceptions, and other aspects of mental life currently present in awareness. The content of the conscious is thus inherently transitory and continuously changing as the person shifts the focus of his or her attention. Okay, that, was that helpful? Not really. Uh, we'll see. So now let's delve into our Buddhist practice where words and concepts like awake, awakening, awareness, to wake up, illusion, delusion, ignorance, hallucination, and dreaming may have decidedly different significance and meaning. In Buddhism, it's often said that we wake up from the dream of a separate self and awaken to our full lives as it really is. And sometimes in Buddhism, especially Zen, words like real, reality, and truth can have dubious or suspect connotations. <laughs> I personally have not um, ever kept a dream journal or gotten into the practice of lucid dreaming. Therefore, I'm not sure what to make of what it meant the other night when I was traveling for some time through some kind of desert on the back of my Velociraptor. <laughs> Because that's how you do it. <laughs> and uh, eventually I came across a huge tower of, made entirely of cheddar cheese. <laughs> so naturally, just like any of you do, I climbed the cheese tower. <laughs> and at the top was my grandma waiting for me. And he promptly started removing my teeth with a pair of channel locks. <laughs> so that's, that's what's going on in here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that actually happened. 
<laughs> so what does it mean to study the self? <laughs> As Dogen urges us to. Surely the study does not exclude our nocturnal dreaming cells. When I construct my life story, and it really is just that, a story, a construct, I build and cobble together an ever-changing ever narrative. I change and shuffle around unreliable memories, images, and events, probably in ways that uh, protect and justify the self, and literally create my life in this way. And in doing so, the so-called life has all the substantiality of a dream, actually. While we dream, we inhabit a world in which all of the characters, scenes, objects, and events are, for some duration, taken as real, and all dream objects are experienced as separate from the subject, the dreamer, inhabiting the same dream. The talking hand sandwich, who is the voice of my fourth grade teacher, somehow, <laughs> is distinct from the dreaming me, who now has apparently morphed into some kind of jellyfish-like creature. <laughs> apparently, I experienced a sudden discontinuity in character situations and plot elements. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to say we always go insane every night when we dream. <laughs> at some point, we gain so-called conventional waking consciousness, and maybe we consider this condition to be authentic, and reflect back upon the dream and recognize that every single element in the dream, no matter how bizarre or wondrous, is from the beginning all one mind. One mind manifesting a subject, object, and action. Buddhism has many descriptions and metaphors and analogies for the nature of our world. Like a dream, like an illusion, like a bubble, like a shadow, like a dewdrop, like a flash of lightning. Check out this beautiful verse from Shakyamuni Buddha. It comes from the uh, Bhadrakalpa Sutra, or the Auspicious Eon Sutra, which is the eon that we are occupying now. My dreamlike form appears to dreamlike beings to teach a dreamlike dharma that frees them from dreamlike suffering so they can realize a dreamlike awakening. In Japan, the word for dream is yume. If I'm pronouncing that right, Y U M E. Yes. Thank you. And it means the eyes in sleep. What do your eyes see in sleep? The Japanese characters express yume as a dream concerning sleeping and also a vision with respect to being awake. Dogen presents his insights concerning dreaming in a fascicle from the Treasury of the True Dharma Eye, the Shobogenzo, called Within a Dream, Expressing the Dream, or Muchu Setsumu. Muchu Setsumu is an expression composed of four Sino-Japanese characters, Mu, the dream, Chu, the middle, Setsu, the speech, and Mu again. And I recognized that uh, Mu is one response given by Joshu when asked whether a dog has Buddha nature or not. <laughs> and I've heard people say Mu means that, that Mu means no, but I always thought it was a bigger no than that. So I suspect it leans more towards um, like uh, the four-way negation. So Mu, not real, not both real and unreal, not neither real nor unreal. So a dream then. 
There are several translations of the title Muchu Setsumu, like expounding the dream, preaching the dream, etc. The origin, as, I, as far as I could tell, of the fascicle, uh, Dogen draws from the Lotus Sutra and also the 8,000 line Prajna Paramita Sutra, a short version of that we chant this morning in the Heart Sutra. The essay from Dogen is quite lengthy, so I will try to offer some of what came up for me when I studied the text. I was informed by, uh, I already said that, but I think that uh, reading the first paragraph can help get us oriented and maybe disoriented, given it's Dogen we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> the path of all Buddhas and ancestors arise before the first forms emerge. It cannot be spoken of using conventional wisdom, this being so, the realm of Buddhas and ancestors, in the realm of Buddhas and ancestors, there is the active power of Buddhas going beyond, transcending Buddhas. Since this realm, the ultimate, the absolute, is not a matter of a passage of time, their lives are neither long nor short, neither quick nor slow. This cannot be judged in an ordinary manner. Thus, the Dharma wheel has been set to turn since before the First signs and forms emerged. The great merit needs no reward and becomes the guidepost for all ages. Within a dream, this is the dream you express because awakening is seen within awakening. The dream is expressed within a dream. There are inner dreams, dream expressions, expressions of dreams and dreams inside. Without being in a dream, there is no expression of dreams. Without expressing dreams, there is no being within a dream. Without expressing dreams, there are no Buddhas. Without being within a dream, Buddhas do not emerge and turn the wondrous Dharma wheel. This Dharma wheel is no other than a Buddha together with a Buddha and expressing a dream within a dream. So it seems to me that Dogen is interplaying the two truths here, two realities, or two dreams, the absolute or the ultimate and the relative, or this world, the samsara realm of ours. Uh, practice realization, being time, awakening, dreaming are not separate or exclusive of one another. They're not two different things. They're not contradictory. I say two realities, but I think it's more like two sides of the same point. When one side is illuminated, the other side is dark. Dogen challenges the conventional Buddhist view of dreams slash delusion, that it's something that needs to be done away with so we can wake up to real reality. That is, there is the saying, piling delusion on top of delusion, and the phrase placing a head on top of the head, which means in part adding more conceptual complexity to the existing delusion or erroneously trying to pare away and dismiss what is considered extraneous or unreal. For Dogen's, from Dogen's point of view, people who take this viewpoint as an approach to practice misunderstand the nature of reality. And by doing so, they, they ignore the Buddha nature that exists in all things or or as all things dreams and non-dreams
yes, these people only fall into seeing, I guess, the insubstantiality of existence. Before I move on, here's another passage from Dogen's Muchu Setsumu. People in the past and present mistakenly think that thanks to the power of expounding this foremost dharma, mere night dreams may become like this dream of Buddhas. Thinking like this, one has not yet clarified the Buddha's discourse. Awakening and dreaming from the beginning are one suchness, the genuine, the genuine reality. The Buddha Dharma, even if it were an analogy, is the genuine reality. Without expressing dreams, there are no Buddhas. Those of us who have practiced Oriyoki together know that there are many verses we recite before and after the meals. Yesterday, the Kokyo recited the verse of purity while abiding in the world. Abiding in this ephemeral world, like a lotus in muddy water, the mind is pure and goes beyond. Thus we bow to Buddha. In this Mahayana Bodhisattva practice, the lotus is not escaping the mud. In fact, the lotus is born of it. The lotus and mud are not separate, and dreams of the phenomenal world are not separate from awakening. There is the phrase nirvana within samsara. The lotus blooms in the muddy water. And our zazen practice is the flower blooming in the midst of muddy water. So we practice within this phenomenal world and are simultaneously free from the muddy water, or maybe not completely free just yet, but unimpeded. The flower blooms anyway. Our karmic, our karmic consciousness generated thoughts are still there, but we keep letting go, keep practicing, we keep blooming and blossoming. So how about you? How, what do you see in, through your eyes asleep? Have you ever entered a Dharma gate in your sleeping dreams? I remember a vivid dream I had back when I was practicing at the Detroit Zen Center. In the dream, I was doing walking meditation and we used to do it a little more quickly uh, at this practice center. And a senior student named Chao Yu, I believe, in the dream was obnoxiously and playfully coming up closer and closer behind me as I was walking, inching up closer, closer until he was just like leaning on my on the back of my shoulder, <laughs> almost piggybacking me. When I tried to speed up, he just followed me around the Zendo. <laughs> and I remember waking up to that, um, becoming awake and chuckling and laughing and just quite bemused by it. And uh, so the takeaway from that, there is no separation. <laughs> and no escaping Zen practice for me, at least. <laughs> the word lucid can be defined as characterized by clear perception or understanding. Some synonyms include luminous, crystal clear, transparent, unblurred. Perhaps this is how Shakyamuni Buddha and Avalokiteshvara practice in the world, in lucidity. Here's that, here's Buddha's verse one more time. My dreamlike form appears to dreamlike beings to teach a dreamlike dharma that frees them from dreamlike suffering so they can realize a dreamlike awakening. I say, let's not wave away our beautiful imaginations, our creativity, 
our audacious aspirations for awakening. <clears throat> Let's not turn away from radical hope and compassion. This bodhisattva practice of ours is not reductive, but rather encompassing. Our bodhisattva vows are ludicrous, audacious, but we don't forsake them. A wild fancy, an unrealistic hope. And also beware of sudden discontinuities in character and situations and plot elements. <laughs> At some time deep in the night, you may enter your dream like Dharma Gate, and I hope that dream inspires you and informs your practice. But for God's sake, put some pants on. Your mom's watching. <laughs> <laughs>